Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. This is Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 72, recorded on June 12th, 2017. I am your host, Matt Lyons, and on this week's episode, we've got a week's worth of games to discuss. We're going to take a quick look around the current state of the Indians roster, including a battered starting rotation and a sort of confusing outfield situation. We're going to take a peek around the AL Central. We're going to briefly preview the upcoming, upcoming series against Los Angeles Dodgers, and of course, we'll take your questions, and we'll talk about a whole lot more, I'm sure. Uh, before we get into all that, I want to thank everybody listening now live on Facebook or wherever you are, uh, whenever you may be listening, YouTube, I don't know, Google Play, iTunes, whatever. Wherever you are listening, consider leaving a comment, review, whatever. It all helps. Helps us improve, help us get discovered, all that good stuff. So so thank you. Especially if you're listening live now. There's a lot going on. So if you're listening on Monday night now, thank you uh, for sticking around. What Anyways. else? What else would a Cleveland doing on this Monday? Absolutely nothing. I was saying before we started, by the way, it's Jason Lucard, of course. Um, it, like if you like Cleveland, there's something else on. If you like baseball, there's something else on. If you like neither of those and you like video games, there's something else on. So there's there's literally a million other things to listen to. So if you're listening now, thank you. That's pretty neat. So how you doing, Jason? I'm doing pretty good. It's been a we've been three weeks away between uh, illness and me finishing up the school year and uh, whatever else. So it's been a while. We, we I mean we'll. We don't need to recap three weeks' worth of games, but it's been three weeks since we talked. I think we missed two of the most depressing weeks, so it's not a total <laughs> loss. <laughs> this last week was okay, which we'll talk about in a minute, but those first two, I'm kind of glad we, we had various reasons to cancel. They were pretty bad for a while. Yeah, I mean, I think if we're honest, they're a pretty mediocre baseball team right now. 31-29, uh, and 29, the run differential is nothing special. Uh the good news is there isn't a good baseball team in the American League Central right now. So despite being pretty mediocre so far, they're what, a game and a half out of first place, I think. And by the end of the night, maybe only a game back. So they got plenty of time to round into form. But we're talking about a pretty mediocre baseball team tonight. How long do you think they can ride that? The whole we're in the AL Central and it's pretty bad thing. We're going to talk about the AL Central specifically later. But the Twins are kind of good, weirdly. But everybody else is awful. But eventually the Indians are going to have to win and not just stumble into being in first place yeah i mean the twins aren't really kind of good like they've got a a terrible run differential right now i mean good for them for being five games above 500 at the moment but uh i mean i honestly i think someone you know probably gets their acts together but if it wouldn't surprise me at all if the indians won 85 games and that were enough to win the al central this year oh wow that would be 
that'd be an awful division. But it could definitely happen. I think it's something like in the NL, if you have a winning record right now, you're leading your division. Yeah. I mean, the, the Twins are in first, uh, and they've been outscored by 28 runs. Everyone but the Indians has been outscored in the division. Uh, everyone but the Twins and Indians has a losing record. The Twins, I don't think going to hold up. Uh, the crazy thing is if the – I mean, the whole American League sucks right now. You've got the Astros and Yankees are both really good, mm. and the rest of the league sucks. The Indians, as mediocre as they are, if the season ended this second, the Indians would be in the wild card game. And that's like. That's kind of insane. <laughs> and for the record, it's the Astros and Aaron Judge are really good right now. I don't think the Indians or the Yankees have any pitchers that are good. They're, is Gary Sanchez even back? I don't know. It's Aaron Judge that's really good. <laughs> he is kind of carrying that team right now. But anyway, let's talk about the Indians. Um, last week. Wasn't great to start. The Indians faced the Rockies in Colorado. They were 0 for 2. Um, They're outscarred 4 to 19 in that series. The one thing, one kind of takeaway from that mini one, mini takeaway from that is that it was Bauer and Clevenger. It's two pitchers who rely on curveballs a lot in Coors Field. I don't think that was any surprise that they got shelled. Um, then the Indians faced the White Sox 2 and 3 against the, the division rivals. Kluber looked good again in his opening game. Six inning pitch, eight strikeouts. So um, that's kind of an okay week. I mean, it's the White Sox. I. And it's the Rockies. The Rockies are surprisingly good, but kind of another bumpy week for the Indians, but better than the last few, I guess. So what do you think? What's your first takeaway from this last week's worth of games? They're just, the Indians are just stumbling along. Like, I mean, when, when was the last time they had like a real winning or losing streak? If they had a real, I feel like mid-April, they won five or six games in a row. And I feel like that's it. Everything else, I don't think they've had longer than, like, a three-game anything. And three games hardly counts as a streak. Yeah. Um, I don't know. They're, they, they're pretty uninspiring to me right now. I'm not, like, like I said, the division sucks. So I'm not really worried. I still expect them to win the division. Um, they're not a lot to be excited about in the last week or the last month. It's kind of sad that if I think about this season so far, the the best moment was that Grand Slam in the first series. Like, and that was the first series of the year. <laughs> yeah. Other than that, it's just been kind of mediocre and boring. I mean, there's been a couple really well-pitched games and, you know, a, a couple other big hits, but yeah, there's just not a lot there. I mean, I think if you're trying to talk yourself into things, um, Encarnacion, after being pretty terrible in April for the last month, has been hitting the way... You know, I think we hoped he would hit. Uh, in the last month, he's got seven home runs, 281 average, uh, 333 on base, 562 slugging. Uh, the one guy who's been in the last month is Lonnie Chisenhall, who, uh, since coming back from his injury, has been smoking the ball. Uh, so I feel like those are the, the brightest spots of late. And then Andrew Miller continues to just be amazing. Um so yeah, those are, in terms of glasses half full, those are the guys who jump out at me right now. So mine, my first one isn't quite, um, he wouldn't fill the glass all the way half full. Maybe he had a few drops. But Aaron Gonzalez, the fact that he's been kind of pretty good on the bench. I mean, he only has a couple games where he's gone off, but he's only played once or twice a week when he comes in. He does what he's supposed to. Uh, the Indians had another certain player that would come in and not quite do as well as he was supposed to. <laughs> I don't know if I want to mention his name again. Um, but it's refreshing to have Eric Gonzalez on the bench. I know he's young. He's going to be an everyday player somewhere eventually, I think, even if he's not like 
a superstar player, he's got enough where he can rely on his defense and hit well enough. Um, I wrote about him today. I sort of said that he's kind of like the floor of what Francisco Lindor could have been if he didn't suddenly take off. Um, maybe not even that, just a little bit lower. But the fact that he's defensive first, he occasionally has power. Um, he can play literally everywhere. He's played in the outfield before. I don't think he's done it in the majors yet, but he's played a little bit of almost every infield position besides first base and obviously catcher. Um, so he's like the perfect Tito guy. He's a great utility player. Um, I still don't know how good he would be with everyday playing time, but with their what with what they're having him do, um, it's hard to not be at least a little impressed with Eric Gonzalez, um, especially compared to what they had before. <laughs> so that's my kind of on the bright side kind of thing is that they have a really good utility bench player. I think again because they haven't had it since really Jose Ramirez when he got when he was an everyday player. They haven't had another truly versatile player because they had Mike Aviles into Mar Michael Martinez, which is not the greatest one-two punch to ever have there. So it's kind of just another small thing they have. I think all good teams have a player like that somewhere, and now the Indians have one again. Yeah, makes sense. There's, a, there's, there's something to be said for, for someone in that role who, like you said, isn't Michael Martinez. <laughs> uh, and the, the glass is half empty side or more than half empty side. Um, again, not worried, but talking like right now, I'm just looking at the last month because the last week feels like too small a sample. Uh, Lindor has not been, I mean, you know, he's because of his defense, he's still providing value to the team, but he has not been hitting for the last month. He's hitting 229 with only a 302 on base percentage, um, which isn't, I mean, that's not bad, especially for a great shortstop, but compared to what his numbers were earlier in the season. Uh, when some Let's Go Tribe members were suggesting that he was better than Mike Trout at this point. Uh, <laughs> that one wasn't me. I've made some big claims about Lindor, but no, that wasn't me. I, I won't, that, was, that was not a, uh, an, a Let's Go Tribe writer or anyone like that. That was just yokels in the comments. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure he'll get things going again. He's still awesome. He still should be an all-star, all of that. Um, his overall numbers look good, and I think sort of mask the fact that he hasn't been hitting much for a while. Um, and also, I have to admit, my beloved Carlos Santana is not doing very well so far this year. Uh, his on-base percentage the last month is 287, and like on-base percentage is his thing. So I can't, as much as I love him, I can't defend a 287 on-base percentage. So hopefully those guys get it going again. Uh, it'll be a big couple weeks you know the Indians have had like three days off in the last eight days including today uh, and now I think they have like 21 days in a row or 20 days in a row with games including two double headers so it's something like 23 games in 21 days couple series against the twins a uh, couple other good teams coming up so even the next week with the Dodgers and the twins but certainly the next three weeks when they don't have a day off uh, we'll have a much better sense of how the season's going by the end of that stretch. Yeah, it's definitely not like they have to win yet, but like you said, we're going to have a good idea of what they look like after this next stretch, I think. Um, yeah. So mine, um, I kind of wanted to feed off your Lindor thing. Kind of the opposite direction, I guess. I think he's going to be okay. I think the biggest thing is the fact that at the beginning of the year, we were all praising the fact that he's hitting the ball in the air. That's the go-to strategy now, so keep doing it. It's good. Um, his fly ball rate is almost doubled from last season's at 44%. Uh, from 28% last year. It was a good thing then. It's a good thing now. Um, I was watching... When did they play on Fox? One. Uh, 
Sunday afternoon, I think. Was it? it was one where Tom Verducci was on. He's he's really good. I like Tom Verducci. But he was saying that um, Lindor stopped hitting the ball in the air. His suggestion was just hit line drives, which if you can do that, just do that. But that's not the thing everybody can do. Um, but in general, it's everybody loved the fly balls at first. Uh, Lindor's still hitting fly balls. The balls just aren't dropping. It's still a good thing, I think. You want to hit the ball in the air. It's just the fact that he's popping them up so high is bad, obviously. But just looking at his fly ball rate and saying, oh, no, you have to hit the ball lower more often is not the right solution. It's not just line drive or pop up. Um, he's hitting the ball in the air. It's just going too high now, but he's, he's still got the same swing that worked before. It's basically the same. It's just the results are not the same right now. So if you thought it was still good that he was hitting the ball in the beginning of the season, you should now because it's going to swing back eventually. I'm sure. Um, it's just not good when he hits a hundred feet in the air and like 12 feet in front of him. But I think overall, I'm really not that worried about Lindor. Um, is this is probably the worst streak he's had though. I think there was last year. I wrote kind of a cheeky article about the fact that, he had a bad week and nobody noticed because that was the first bad week of his career. But this is probably his first big, long slump, I would think. So it'll really be interesting to see how he bounces out of it. Um, yeah, well, still... the nice thing is, again, like, it's been for him a bad month. Uh, but his overall numbers for that month are, like, slightly below average at the plate. And with his defense, you know, he's still, like, I don't know, one in more than one win above replacement. So the nice thing is he's got so many other things going well that even a bad month for him is pretty decent. Yeah, which in baseball, that's kind of the sign of a great player. Like if you can be bad at one thing, which you're going to be bad at things for a while and you can make it up with other things, you're going to be pretty good. And that's kind of what he's doing. I think he'll be okay. And I'm still going to stick with the fact that hitting the ball in the air is a good thing. I'm not jumping off that just because the results aren't great right now. Um, so, yeah. You have anything else? Uh, well, of all of the teams that played in the World Series last year, the Indians are doing the best right now. So with that, <laughs> that is a good one. <laughs> How bad? Cubs, I haven't even followed the Cubs at all. Cubs are they really that bad? Record and a negative run differential. So, and believe me, being here in Chicago, Cubs fans are not all. Obviously, anytime I say someone fans, I don't refer to everyone, but a significant number of Cubs fans are like, oh, they should just be sellers at the <laughs> deadline. Like, like, knock it off. I saw one kind of interesting thing on um, Bleed Cubby Blue where they said part of it might be that the they have like a different bullpen area now where it's inside and maybe like pitchers aren't as ready when they come out or something. Because they've given up a ton of first inning runs. Um, that's their biggest thing. So that's kind of an interesting issue if – because some people said they went in, it's like a dungeon in there, the way their new bullpen yeah, is set up. Look, all like, looking at their overall production, the offense underperforming has been a much bigger issue than the pitching. Yeah, I think anytime things aren't going well, there's a desire to try to figure out what it is and some sort of interesting, unique angle and explanation. I think a couple, you know, Fowler was a big player for them and they lost him and, you know, Bryant and Rizzo haven't been as good this year and, Speaking of teams I wouldn't be worried about, I'm not worried about the Cubs. And speaking of crappy divisions, the NL Central is even worse than the AL Central. Uh, I don't think the Brewers are going to be able to hold the Cubs off all season. But for right now, world champion Chicago Cubs, losing record. But the Cubs also have the Nationals to defend. There's no Nationals in the AL Central, I don't think. Unless well, you really like the Twins. In the NL, but not the NL Central. So they don't have to worry about them until... Oh, that's NL East. Yeah, never mind. The same t- <laughs> yeah, the AL Central's garbage. It's horrible. Well, I think they were there, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> so the Cubs also not good. Might 
they could, they could still be a World Series rematch, but it's going to take a while to get there. So my last one is another thing I've been vehement, vehement, what is it? I don't know. Something about. I believe vehement. Vehement. There you go. <laughs> it's to stop platooning Bradley Zimmer. He doesn't need it. Um, Tito really likes platooning young pitchers or young hitters. Um, he's been putting Daniel Robertson in against right hand. It's Austin Jackson in center field, but it's kind of, it's basically Bradley Zimmer platooning for him. Or I mean, it's Daniel Robertson platooning for Zimmer. So the best of Daniel Robertson or Austin Jackson is not going to be as good as the bad Bradley Zimmer. I don't think he can draw a walk against anybody. I don't, I don't care if he goes like zero for two with two walks and he strikes out twice. He's going to be faster on the bases. He's going to play better center field. I don't see any reason. He doesn't have the track record of being platooned either in the minors. He's he's hit fine against lefties. Um, so I don't see the reason for it. It's just because I think Tito likes matchups. And most of the time it works. I don't think it works here. Um, I hope he learns to trust him eventually because I want to see more Bradley Zimmer. He, I, don't, I think he might have debuted <laughs> after the last time we had an episode. So have you been impressed with Bradley Zimmer at all? Do you think he should be platooned? Yeah, I've been impressed with him, and in terms of being platooned, uh, I'm going to defer to Francona on this one. Uh, I mean, I agree with you in terms of, like, on paper, he seems like the better option, Uh, but I've seen enough players play well under Francona, and the team has done well enough that, I don't know, I mean, you know, I don't know what all he's doing in the games when he's not starting, I don't know what conversations are being had, I don't know what, you know, any of that stuff... I don't think, to the extent that it might be wrong on paper, I don't think the the difference is big enough for me to think I, I know better than Francona in this. I mean, there, there will be times this year when I think I know better than Francona because I'm an idiot. But right now, I'm willing to say he probably knows more than me. How dare you side with the World Series winning manager over me, guy who runs website? <laughs> How dare you, Jason? Kind of another interesting thing is that um, – Sort of related to Bradley Zimmer just by proxy is the fact that Clint Frazier seems to be comfortable in New York. Uh, there was a post today that he was kind of, I don't want to say reeling from the trade, but it was kind of affecting him last year. And this year he says he's comfortable. So I'm excited to watch Zimmer and Frazier both kind of come up together and compete in maybe like 10 years. Nobody will care, but it'll still be fun to kind of check once in a while and see, hey, did the Indians end up with the right outfielder? Or And for what it's worth, I would do that trade forever. I don't care how good Clint Frazier becomes unless he's I guess Aaron Judge or Mike Trout or whatever but I would take Andrew Miller over keeping a prospect outfielder but it'll just be neat to see who ends up being better Zimmer or Frazier because for so long they were just assumed they'd both be in Cleveland one day and now they're separated um is I'm trying to think of another that's had to have come up before like that but maybe just fades out so fast has there ever been like not even Indian specific that you can think of, but two prospects that came up at the same time, they got split at the end and people kind of compare them. I'm sure they're, it's this kind of thing, unless you're a fan of the team that they were coming up with together, you'd never remember that sort of thing. Yeah. I do hope that Frazier doesn't go to New York because if he goes there, I just want him to be terrible. So (laughs) go to the NL, go to another AL team. I don't care. Just don't go to New York. Um, yeah, it was a it was a weird week of games. I want more to, to better to come up. Um, so let's just look sort of at general and the state of the team because it's it's been a while again. Um, kind of some some odd things have been happening. The starting pitching for starting pitching for one one of the big reasons the Indians made it to the World Series last year and one of the reasons they were favored this year 
they've been not good if you look overall they're second worst at the er second worst era in the al behind only the orioles who have just been shelled by the yankees i think they've scored like the yankees have scored eight runs against the orioles every game so their numbers might be slightly inflated but the indians have a four the indian starters have a 4.77 era um oh no that's in the last 17 days so anyway i was looking the last 14 days uh, last two weeks which is roughly what is it, like two two starts a pitcher maybe three um the indians are not that terrible i think the starting pitchers are starting to come around um trevor bauer i think is going to outperform what his era is right now he's throwing a lot more curveballs which has worked uh, mike clevenger i still think he's going to sort of figure it out Corey kluber of course is going to be Corey kluber um but overall i think the starting pitching it, it's going to be okay danny salazar He's probably not going to be a starter right away, uh, maybe at all this season. And the only thing with Kluber, uh, Brandon Bowers, who has been on the podcast before, um, he's a doctor of physical therapy. Obviously, he doesn't know the exact details of what happened with Kluber, but with back injuries and like lower back stuff, he was kind of cautioning people that even if Kluber's fine now, that's the kind of thing that can linger going forward. But if it doesn't, um, obviously, Kluber looked great in his first two starts. So now that he's back and not injured, and Carlos Carrasco is quietly like one of the best pitchers in the AL I think I wrote it down. He has an ERA. It's like in the top. What was it? It was really high. 12th best in the AL among all starting pitchers. Um, his strikeouts are down a little bit. His walks are up, but he's still been pretty good. Uh, yeah. So I think the starting pitching, we'll start there for now. It, it's been a bit of a mess so far. I guess a lot of a mess. <laughs> a lot of... <coughs> Excuse me. Josh Tomlin, like one of every four starts has been a total disaster. But when he's really good, he's really good. Um, so it's just kind of a weird thing. I don't think the Indians, the whole overarching thing of this whole thing is I don't think the Indians are nearly as bad as their terrible ERA. Their starting pitchers are quite that bad because I still think Mike Clevenger will figure it out. Uh, his last four starts, he hasn't been as bad as his overall. He started just so bad walking so many batters. But in his last four starts, he's only walked like 9% of the batters he's faced. Struck out almost a third. Um, of course, that includes his almost no hitter, which was amazing to watch. And then it also includes the bad game in Colorado, which I said before. He's a pitcher that needs curveballs um, to succeed. Same with Trevor Bauer. And they both got hit a lot uh, in Coors Field, which, of course, are going to go everywhere. So overall, though, I think I'm not that worried about starting pitching because I think Danny Salazar was the big issue, and he's going to be either in the bullpen or on the DL for a while now. And we've seen that Josh Thomas can turn on for streaks at a time. Uh, Trevor Bauer might be having kind of a renaissance-ish because he's been striking out so many batters even when he's bad. And, of course, Corey Kluber and Carlos Carrasco. So... I'm not really that worried about it. Are you? Even it's kind of a mess. <laughs> we can go back. Uh, I don't know. I'm worried about Kluber still. Just multiple medical things. He's looked good since he's back, but I, I, I'd like to see him look good for a while longer before I totally my angst about that. Um, I don't know. Like they just can't get everyone going at the same time. You know, you talked about Carrasco and his overall numbers are really good, but he's the guy in the last month. He like he hasn't pitched that well in the last month. Uh, and again, that's not to say I'm worried about him, but I think one of the reasons the team hasn't really had a great stretch of baseball uh, is the rotation's just been really inconsistent. Uh, you know, you said Tomlin is more capable than Bauer or Salazar or anyone but Kluber and Carrasco of going out there and giving you what you know, would be considered a quality start, but when he's bad, he's bad. Bauer and when he was in the rotation, Salazar almost never go deep into games. Um, you know, they've got Kluber back now, but Carrasco is stumbling at least a little bit. If they get everyone, if they're, I, I'm not worried about him, but 
it's frustrating to watch them not be able to consistently sort of live up to what we feel like their potential is. Uh, but yeah, you know, they're better than their ERA. Their FIP is almost a full run lower than their ERA, which isn't to say like FIP is perfect either. Um, but I bet if you could look up, you know, two plus months into the season, teams whose FIP was a run lower than their ERA, I bet 95% of those teams had their ERA drop by half a run over the rest of the season. Oh, yeah, for sure. It, that, that's just kind of how it works. Is that FIP is kind of an indicator of where ERA is going to go. It's not perfect, like you said, but it's a usual thing. And especially like Bauer, he has a 4.16 FIP and a 6.10 ERA. There's probably going to be something there. Um, and his last few starts, I mean, other than that Colorado outing and the like one and two thirds inning in Kansas City, um, he's at least going like five. He's pitching into the sixth inning. He rarely ever gets out of it, but he's at least like a five inning pitcher, which is fine for number three or four. And he had that That's 14 strikeout low. game, which what? Completing five innings is a pretty low bar to me. <laughs> well, I mean, for what he is, he's not going to be like. That's a perfectly fine number three or four. In theory, he's the team's number three starter at this point. Yeah. You don't think five innings is enough for number three starter? No. Oh, what? I think he's no, fine. I, well, I mean, I he's not. He's getting like 5.2. He's getting six once in a while. No, he's not like. But he's just. I, I, don't, I don't think he's ever going to be a great pitcher. I think he's going to mix in great games with terrible games and okay games. And there's always going to be enough really, really good games for people to convince themselves he's going to put it all together. But I don't think he's ever going to put it all together. <laughs> I don't either. I, that's, that's one thing we really agree on is he's just so inconsistent about everything. The one thing I think that is interesting about him is this whole curveball thing where everybody's throwing more curveballs. He's one of the ones that's throwing the most because he's the kind of pitcher that's going to follow those new trends. So I'm interested to see how that far that can take him until it crashes and burns when he goes to the order a couple times. But maybe he has another couple digit strike, couple double digit strikeout games in him. But yeah, I'm, I'm not more confident than him being like a four or three starter, maybe even a five. Um, and Clevenger, I think, is going to figure it out eventually. Jump him too. I'm I'm still waiting on that. I'm not giving up on Clevenger yet. <laughs> it's been ugly. He looked bad in Columbus yesterday, but I'm still on the Clevenger train a little bit. Hey, he's got he's got a better ERA than anyone but Carrasco <laughs> in the rotation. So he does, yeah, he does. And he started those first few games were really bad with all those walks, but when he gets them down, you can see how good he can be. Um, and the one part that's that's good about the Indians, no matter what, all season long. Uh, it's been the bullpen. They're the best ERA among bullpen pitchers at 2.36 in the AL. They have the lowest walk rate, which is another interesting thing I thought. I thought was interesting. They have 8.1%, or third lowest walk rate. Which, by the way, that's I was going by percent. I kind of want to point this out. But they have the lowest per nine. And per nine is stupid for bullpen. <laughs> because if you face 10 batters in one inning and you walk three of them, your walk or you, and you strike out we'll go with strikeouts but if you strike out three then you look great you have nine strikeouts per nine innings but if you go by percent you struck out three of 13 batters so that's not or three of 10 batters so that's like 30 percent which i guess it's okay but it's not as good it doesn't look as good um as when you use per nine so i really don't like per nine i think you've said this way before i did but i don't like per nine pitching stats especially for bullpen but anyway that's a whole separate thing. Well, I mean, the reason percentage is better is because... Two, it's the percentage. <laughs> it's not even a reliever-starter thing to me. It's just if you have two starting pitchers and they both have the same number of strikeouts per nine innings, but one of them's giving up a lot more between those strikeouts, whereas strikeout percentage is is a clearer barometer of 
how dominant a guy really is. Right. Either way, Indians bullpen, you can pick whatever metric you want. (laughs) Andrew Miller, one earned run over his last 31 innings. That's insane. Cody Allen is still one of the best closers ever. Brian Shaw is still solid, even though when he walks a batter, Indians Twitter loses their damn mind. (laughs) And Nick Goody, he's surprisingly good. Uh, The Indians acquired him in December from the Yankees. Uh, One big thing that Merritt Rolfing noted, I think last week he wrote it, is that um, Goody, he's got a lot more ground balls. Uh, he's using his slider a little bit more, fastball a little less. But there's not really a major change he's made, so maybe he's going to come crashing back down to earth eventually. Uh, but he's a lot like Dan Otero last year, who, by the way, Dan Otero is still pretty good this year for the Indians. He, again, his FIP is like way over his ERA, but it's still working, whatever he's doing. Um, so yeah, the Indians' bullpen, pretty good so far. Um, any reason that you're worried about it, or are you just excited to see him so good still? I have no complaints. Miller is unbelievable. I mean, the Indians in, in my lifetime haven't had a reliever as good as Andrew Miller. I mean, most teams haven't had a reliever. He's incredible. Uh, but, yeah, Allen and Shaw continue to be really good. All the guys you mentioned. Uh, and the nice thing is, you know, the, the later you get in the season and then you get into the postseason uh, and those top relievers, as we saw last fall, just get more and more important. So it's a, it's a really good strength to have. So I'm going to toss out a reliever name that the Indians, they, he hasn't, they haven't seen him in a long time, but he, they, they had this pitcher before, Boone Logan. Do you remember that guy? He used to have this guy. <laughs> he hasn't pitched since June 7th. Um, I mean, he's just a loogie. Um, he's faced 37 left-handed batters, but 20 right-handed batters. So, um, I don't. It's weird. Like he's walked a lot of lefties, but the righties have scored off of him a lot. And then he just hasn't pitched since June 7th. I guess there's haven't been a scenario that they needed him, but you'd think you at least get him somewhere. So he's pitched in like a week. <laughs> so I'm sure no matter what, we're going to see him against the Dodgers doing something, even if he's not in the loogie scenario. But it's kind of weird that Boone Logan was. That's somebody a lot of Indians fans thought would be like the big offseason acquisition if they went after him. And he just kind of the other guy, and now he's barely used. Um, so it's kind of the, the bullpen's still doing what it is without Boone Logan doing a whole lot. And he is kind of secondary to Andrew Miller because Andrew Miller is a lefty and he can just face anybody. <laughs> so I guess there haven't been a need for him, but I'm sure we'll see him soon. Um, I'm, not, I'm not worried about him either. It's just kind of interesting that they haven't used him in so long and the fact that. You can really see why he's a loogie, because he's been way worse for his right-handed batters against left, even with such a small sample size. Um, and I guess it's also worth noting, in his last two outings, he pitched an inning in two-thirds, and he allowed two earned runs, which was like the first two runs he's allowed in a long time. So he's been good, and just kind of struggled recently, and just not a scenario to use him, I guess. Um, and then the last section, I don't think the Indians, If you think the infield is worth talking about, we can go to that last, but I don't. It's just there. <laughs> it's been good. Inconsistent. So the last one is the outfield. Uh, Abel Monte obviously rehabbing in Double A right now. Brandon Geierstel with a wrist injury. Um, they're both going to be back eventually, so it's going to be pretty interesting to see who stays because right now it's what Chisholm, Brantley, Zimmer, Jackson, and Robertson. So I think at this point, obviously Brantley's going to stay. Chisholm is probably going to stay. Zimmer, does he have to stay? I can't imagine he goes. Does is would you? Yeah, I mean, bring Abel Monte to... up over him. <laughs> No, I, that's, I mean, that's the thing to me. Almonte doesn't bump anyone if, if I'm making the decision. Um, he doesn't not even I mean, Robertson get, or Jackson? I mean, maybe Robertson, I guess. But to me, that's really like that. 
Robertson has Geyer's spot, and when Geyer comes back, he gets that spot back, and when Almonte's back, I don't... I'd keep Jackson over Almonte. Yeah, I'd keep Jackson over Almonte. To me, whoever comes back first takes Robertson's spot, but if Almonte's back before Geyer, then when Geyer comes back, Almonte's the odd guy out. That's kind of unfortunate for him, because he's perfectly fine at what he does. He's just kind of a fourth outfielder, but the Indians have, like, six fourth outfielders right now. <laughs> I think either way, we both agree that Zimmer's pretty safe, right? Yeah, but he keeps hitting like this. You know, I mean, we saw with Naquin last year, it's he was doing really well, and then suddenly he wasn't. And, you know, a few weeks into this season, he was back on the farm. So, I mean, I, I'm not ready to write Bradley Zimmer's name into the opening day lineup for next year. But, I mean, he's got a lot of leeway right now. I can't see him, I can't see him being demoted in the next, I don't know, you know, the rest of the month. There's a whole slew of Tyler Naquin fans going to hate me for saying this, but it feels like Zimmer's doing kind of naturally what he's supposed to, whereas Naquin was way over his head when he started last season. He had no business being that good, and then pitchers found out why, and then they just attacked him. I'm sure they'll do it to Zimmer too, but I, I, and like you said, he's not going to be penciled in, but Zimmer, I think, can handle it better than Naquin can. He's always been projected as a better hitter, and he's faster, he's better fielding, and... So I think this is pretty much it for Zimmer. Unless he struggles, he'd have to struggle a lot, like Tyler Naquin-level yeah. struggle. And even if he does, he can run faster and play better defense than Naquin. So there's always going to be a place for him unless he's just awful on defense. Like it's not going to be a Byron Buxton-level thing where he can't hit at all, but he's going to stay because he's a top prospect. But Zimmer's got a future here, I think, and he's he's starting it now. Yep, the, I agree. The unfortunate thing is no matter how good he plays, like he could be amazing from here on out. He's not winning rookie of the year because Aaron Judge exists. <laughs> even if he's even if Aaron Judge is pretty awful over the next few months, he would have to be atrocious to to lose it. So um Zimmer's yeah. not gonna get much trophy recognition, but he'll be pretty good. So anything and then, else? So Lindor, not winning the rookie of the year ultimately doesn't really matter at all. It matters very much because Lindor should have won it, Jason. See? It's still, it's a ripoff. It should have happened. He should have won it. Now Carlos Correa is awful because he won it. It's karma. That's the way it works. Well, so then it sounds like the, the winner being awful, and I, oh, crap. I'm not going to get into that conversation with you, but you should be happy that Lindor didn't win it and that Zimmer won't win it. Oh, no, I want Zimmer to deserve it but not get it because then he'll be good. This, it's, it all works out, Jason. Don't worry. <laughs> So anything else? Did you want to talk about the infield at all? It's not going to win it. The what? Yeah, Sorry. Zimmer's not going to win it. Jason? Yep. Oh, did you want to talk about the infield at all? Or are you pretty much good with, I mean, I don't no, know. I mean, <laughs> Santana's kind of bad. Edwin's good. Kipnis, Lindor, and Rosemiras are there. I mean, they are who they are. I, on the whole, I think they're a good group. I expect Lindor to get going again. I expect Santana to pick it up a bit at some point. Uh, regardless, barring an injury, the infield's not changing. Yeah, yeah that's, that's pretty much the way it is. Um, obviously, Jan Gomes and Roberto are catcher. It's, that's pretty much what it is. Um, so let's look around the AL Central a little bit. We talked about it a little bit at the beginning there. The Twins, they currently lead 32-27. and 27. Six and four in their last ten. They're, I said surprisingly good because they have some things going for them which are weird. And I also don't think it's sustainable whatsoever. Uh, Jose Barrios kind of looks like 
he could maybe be the real deal. He was kind of supposed to be as a 2.84 ERA over six starts. Every I think every time he's faced the Indian, he's been amazing, which sucks. Um, Irvin Santana, we, we can talk about this in a minute. He threw a Maddox no-hitter. He has a 220 ERA in the season. But him, that none of that, that's not going to last. <laughs> 4.45 FIP for him. His BAPIP is like, I think it's just barely over 100. He has a low strikeout rate, a high walk rate. That is going to come crashing back down the earth eventually. Tyler Duffy, um, technically the third best starter right now. He looks kind of sustainable. He gets a lot of ground balls. His BAPIP's fine. So I think he might just be kind of what he is, which is a pretty good pitcher. Miguel Sano on offense is a monster, which kind of can continue. Um, and then, of course, Robbie Grossman. What the heck? He's still going. He has a 17% walk rate. I don't know why that guy walks so much. What happened? Maybe he just really hates the Indians for cutting him. One of several teams that cut him. Maybe it's just the Indians he hates. I don't know why. Um, and Byron Buxton is is awful. He's, he's really bad. He's always been one of my favorite non-Indians players, but he's just really bad to watch. He's really fast in center field, which I like, which is why I like him. But he just can't hit at all for anything. Um, and I think we kind of forget that the, the Twins are like two years away from being a surprisingly good team. So I think they can win more than people think, but I don't think they're going to win the AL Central or maybe not even win nearly as many games as they're on pace for. Um, so yeah, what do you think of the Twins? I, I think they're just a mediocre team. They're five games above 500 right now, but they're also losing 9-2 to two right now. So they're about to be four games over, and if that score holds, their run differential is going to be minus 35, uh, which would be only a little better than the Royals for worst in the division. Um, They have some good players, yeah, uh, but they're not a good team. Uh, I'd be... If the Indians don't win the division, I still don't think it'll be the Twins. I think it'll be like the Tigers... Stuck around for a while, decided to be buyers, and got their act going. I, I'm I'm more concerned about the Tigers than the Twins, honestly. See, I'm trying to think if I am, but I don't know. I still think I'm on. If the Indians collapse, I think it's going to be the Twins, and just an awful record to win a division. But <clears throat> I'm not really that afraid of the Tigers anymore, which will probably come back to bite me if I should be. But then, obviously, the White Sox and the Royals are going to sell at the deadline, and I think the Tiger is going to be more mediocre than the Twins, so it'll be a mediocre off. And <laughs> if the Indians can win it, they can win it. If not, I think the Twins are going to stumble their way into a division win, which would be very unfortunate. Um, but I, if, I the have... if the Indians don't win the division, I hope whoever wins it wins it with a record of 80 and 82. <laughs> yes, and I want it to be awful. Has to go into the postseason with a losing record. Although the shame about that is whoever wins the Central is probably going to play the Yankees in the first round. Uh, and I'd rather the Yankees not to cakewalk over some crappy team. So hopefully the Indians just get their act together. Well, the Yankees really aren't that much really, or like, I don't want to say they're not really good, but they're not sustainably good, I don't think. So maybe they'll get in the playoffs too, and then they'll lose to like the Twins who had a losing record in the regular I think season. They're pretty sustainably good. They're, they've outscored their opponents by 115 <laughs> runs. Just pretty big margin for error. <laughs> Plus 115 and not that good. Well, how much of that is Aaron Judge? And Do they have any pitchers? I mean, like, Tanaka has the worst ERA in the league. Um, I'm trying to think of who else they have. You go look up their pitchers. They've allowed the fewest runs oh, in the American they? League. <laughs> All right, well, I'm a big Yankee fan, and I follow the Yankees so much. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the Yankees will roll over the Twins, and then it'll be awful for all of us. It's going to be horrendous for the next Twins, The Yankees will definitely roll over the Twins. That's 
<laughs> the entire Twins postseason experience of the last quarter century is getting destroyed by the Yankees. So if it's Yankees and Twins, you can go and bet the kids' college tuition on the Yankees. Yeah, and I, I kind of want to give you the floor. Speaking of Yankees and Twins, see, it works as a transition because Tanaka had somehow had a Maddox this season. And then, of course, Irvin Santana had a no-hitter Maddox. There was another one a few weeks ago that Edison, I was... Edison Volquez had the no-hitter. Oh, it was Volquez. Wasn't it? Santana had a Maddox, but not a no-hitter. Okay, there you go. So it was Irvin Santana <laughs> was the one a few weeks ago I was going to let you talk about, and then we didn't do the podcast. Because yeah, Volquez so was the most recent, was right? like two weeks ago, and then Santana was not even a week ago. I prefer when they're oh, okay. not no-hitters, because selfishly, if it's a no-hitter, too, that's what's going to get the most attention, whereas if it's a Maddox, but not a no-hitter, then Major League Baseball is going to tweet about it being a Maddox. And Tops now makes baseball cards mentioning <laughs> when guys have Maddoxes. So I have a Masahiro Tanaka baseball card on my shelf right now because it's about him pitching a Maddox. And seven-year-old me, who was opening pack after pack of Tops baseball cards, would have been head over heels to find out that something he created would be on a Tops card one day. That is really cool. And for what it's worth, didn't... Was it MLB or like MLB Gifts? One of the official accounts tweeted out the fact that it was a Maddox no-hitter. So it's not like they're ignoring yes. it. Yes. Oh, yeah, they still mentioned That's true. Yeah, so if it's – that was yeah. one of the big things. Four Maddoxes already this season. There were only three all of last year, but it's back in a big way lately. Do you think there's any reason for that? Semi-random. No, I don't – I mean, it's kind of a – like it's sort of a – I mean, there's certain pitchers who are more likely to do it than others, of course, but – um, I mean, if anything, they're trending downwards just because bullpen usage has become a bigger and bigger and bigger thing, and there's so many more strikeouts. So it's people aren't as efficient with their pitches. Even when they are, they're less likely to be allowed to pitch the whole game. Uh, three was uncharacteristically low, but four already is also, I think, just small sample sort of noise. I don't think that, you know, I don't think there's going to be 11 of them this year is what, what they're on pace for. Yeah. It's just it's just cool how fast it's taken off something you made. It, oh, it's yeah, gonna be the biggest year. Like this is they didn't get this much recognition last year, did they? Because I know this year Maddox actually heard about it. Major from... League Baseball mentioning them in tweets before this year. Oh, okay, uh, but it's definitely I, I wouldn't say mainstream, but the fact that MLB's Twitter account routinely tweets about it makes it about as official as it's ever gonna get. Oh, I'd, I'd call it pretty mainstream at this point. I think it's a thing people are looking for. I mean, like, and, I guess Twitter uh, mainstream, not like some I, guy in the street. Because but. of Joe Posnanski, I now know that Greg Maddox himself knows about the Maddox. So that's... <laughs> Wasn't he, like, yeah. not very impressed with it or something? Uh, he was... <laughs> or he just kind of like, cool, that exists. <laughs> yeah, I think that was his main reaction. But he, he went back to it. Like, he brought it back up a few minutes later. So... Oh, did he? I don't know. Greg was in the shower that night, just found himself thinking about it. <laughs> so... so. That's that was your fantasy day that Greg Maddox was in the shower thinking about the stat that you made about yeah. him. <laughs> Way up there in my fantasy list, Greg Maddox thinking about something I created in the shower. Awesome, that's great. Yeah, but that's cool. The Maddox is everywhere. MLB's tweeting about it. Um, I think I saw more people. It's part of partially just who I follow, but I saw more people following the fact that Vasquez had a no or a, a Maddox over a no hitter. Which I think in a way it's more impressive the fact that you're working that efficiently. Instead of like one lucky hit not getting through, I think it's a big thing. So uh, speaking of Maddox, uh, when the Dodgers play the Indians, game one we might see one from Clayton Kershaw. 
<laughs> I'm not anticipating a win there. Uh, Kershaw against Bauer on Tuesday. Kershaw's incredible. Um, although this year I was looking at it. Um, the one, If there is one big thing that he's worse at this year, it's that outside of the zone, especially outside of the zone, but in general his changeup is getting hit more often. But he's, he's Clayton Kershaw. He just won't throw it and he'll kill you with everything else. Um, and then game two, Brandon McCarthy, Corey Kluber. Game three, Rich Hill, Josh Tomlin. Of course, these are all in Cleveland, so there's no weird, stupid NL rules. So, so yeah. Um, and also, other thing to note, at least for me, in my defense of Bradley Zimmer, is that two of the pitchers, Kershaw and Hill, are lefties. So, we'll probably see him starting to start the game, which is really dumb. I don't want to watch Junior Robinson get tore apart by Clayton Kershaw. But I'm assuming Bradley Zimmer wouldn't do much better, I guess. So, so yeah, what do you think of this series coming up? How much is Clayton Kershaw going to just decimate the Indians? Or do they really have a chance against... Maybe the best pitcher in baseball right now. Definitely. I mean, the crazy thing to me, Clayton Kershaw is still in his 20s. If he, for some reason, and I don't, I don't want this to happen, I'd be happy to have him decide not to pitch against the Indians this week. I don't want him to retire, though. But if he did <laughs> retire for some weird reason, despite not even playing till his 30th birthday, he would absolutely be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, oh, for sure. I mean, he's incredible. He's, you know, in, in our lifetime, Randy Johnson's the best left-handed pitcher. And then you, Tom Glavin's probably number two, but then you're getting into a longevity versus peak argument. And you could, I think, make a pretty viable argument that Kershaw's already passed Tom Glavin. Uh, I mean, he's just unbelievable. You look at his numbers, like, they don't look real. Like, his worst... Not counting his rookie season. Since his rookie season, his worst ERA was a 2.91. So his, his worst season, uh, he's just unbelievable. And I, he's my favorite non-Indians player. I, I trend more towards pitchers and hitters. Uh, when I'm not watching, the, if, if Kershaw's pitching, that's what I'm watching. Um, so I'd be happy to have him miss this week, though, because... I don't like I don't like anyone's chances against him. I certainly don't like Trevor Bauer and the Indians as they're currently hitting chances against him. But I'm wrong all the time, so this probably means the Indians will win like seven to three tomorrow. I don't think he's going to retire, but I think if there's a thing he could do that's kind of happened before, he could just like Griffey it, like he'd be injured for the rest of his career, and we'd all be really sad about it. But he would still get in the Hall of Fame first ballot. Yeah, I remember. What I would I don't I'm not I would love to argue with someone because I'm so confident that I'm right, but I know it wouldn't be the majority opinion. He's the best pitcher in Dodgers history. And I know Sandy Koufax, to the, the generation that watched him, no one's as good as Sandy Koufax. But Clayton Kershaw's career so far is just a slightly better version of Sandy Koufax's entire career. Yeah, it's he's insane. And I will, this is kind of getting into a separate argument, but I will almost always take like, if they're close, I'll take the modern equivalent over the guy from yeah, so many years good. ago. Because there was a thing, that, like, getting into basketball, I guess, sort of what Steve Kerr said, like, all the old players would beat all the new players. I don't think that's true. Like, especially in baseball, because the older pitchers and hitters have never seen the stuff that's coming now. So, so in general, yeah, yeah it, take Kershaw over. Every sport. The best team right yeah. now would destroy the best team from 40 years ago. Would just destroy it. Yeah, I don't care like, any sport. I think is most glaring. You watch like old George Mikan clips and like he was the best player in the NBA in his era and he wouldn't start for a D1 college team if you just <laughs> yeah. time machine him into today. 
LeBron James would look like an alien on a basketball court. He wouldn't look like he was the same species as anyone else. And we've talked about it before with baseball, too. Like, if you took Babe Ruth and just dropped him into today, like, it'd be insane. Maybe if, like, you took the same person and birthed him today and let him go through all the training, he'd be the best. But if you just took him straight out of his era and dropped him in today, they'd all be terrible. Yeah, I don't, I, there's, there's, I don't think there's any exception to that. And, like, in no, football, okay. not even that recent, like, the... The Redskins line, whatever they were called, their biggest guy is like the smallest tackle yeah. in today's NFL. <laughs> well, also, like look at Olympic records. Yeah. Like people just keep getting faster and stronger and all of that stuff. There's, yeah, the the idea that just simply a time machine version of any great athlete, like I mean, like Willie Mays would still be a great baseball player. I'm confident of that. But mm. and give him a little time to you know catch up on the training he can do now that he couldn't and like he'd figure out how to hit the pitches that he's he never saw but on the whole yeah, yeah. athletes are just massively better now than they were 50 years ago but on the same note i don't think that like completely neutralizes all that kind of discussion like if you're talking about that you're talking in context of oh yeah absolutely like, like the sandy koufax if you're saying if anybody's going to argue that koufax is better than kershaw they better be saying, like, in his era, he was better than Kershaw is in his era. Yeah. And I'm that saying was... even just right. era. Yeah. 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 Kershaw is unbelievable. And the other note, I want to, like, speaking of the Griffey thing, when I was little, I specifically remember arguing with so many people when Griffey started getting injured that they were saying he wouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. And I felt like I was a crazy person because I was like, you know, he's going to get in because he was really good for a while. And I remember people saying, no, he's too injured and old. He's never going to get in. I don't know why that is stuck in my head so long. So I was really happy to see him get in so unanimously, which I'm, I'm pretty sure Kershaw would do too if he got suddenly traded to like the Reds <laughs> and then was injured a lot and he would get in, like you said. But yeah, Dodgers are going to steamroll for some. Yeah, uh, we'll see. I mean, every time we talk about a series, we're wrong. I can't even fake that I think. <laughs> I can predict what's really going to happen. I mean, it's three baseball games. Anything could happen. Uh, The Indians ought to win Wednesday's game because Corey Kluber's better than Brandon McCarthy. And then, in theory, that would make Thursday the toss-up game. Uh, I'd really like to see the Indians take two or three. I'd more like to see them take two out of three against the Twins this weekend. Um, I just want to see them get the things going. I'm not like the sky is falling about them. They're just not, like I said earlier, they're just not very They're boring. exciting to follow right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which is the worst. Like, if the sky was falling, there, there's things to write about there. There's some stuff you can do, and what should they do? But they're just boring right now. <laughs> they're yeah. not terrible. They're not good. Um, yeah, let's wrap up with some questions here. Um, as always, you guys, I'll ask on Monday. You can ask, answer on Facebook, Twitter. You can email sbnletsgotribe at gmail.com. Um, on the Thursday prospect chat, we actually got our first email question, which was neat. I don't know why I was excited about that. But the first person emailed us for a question. This week, they're all from Twitter. Um, the first one, we kind of answered the first one. Uh, Jeffy Isaacs, at least acknowledge it. He wanted to know, what are we going to do with all these outfielders when Guy or Alante get healthy? I think Chiz is tragic undervalued. We can go with the last part. Uh, the first one we answered. Um, so what did we kind of agree on? Almonte is kind of the odd man out. Guy is going to come back and replace um, either Jackson or Robertson, depending on when he comes back. But do you think Chiz, Chiz and Hall, obviously, is tragically undervalued? Is that a real thing? I think he's undervalued by fans, but I don't think he's undervalued by Francona. And ultimately, in terms of what's going to happen with him, Francona's uh, perception of him matters a lot more than fans. So uh, there's a level on which he's undervalued, but it's not an important level. Yeah, that's a perfect answer. 
<laughs> I think he's a really good platoon bat, and I think he'd be an okay non-platoon bat, but the fact that he's platooned is better for him, and I like him. I like Chisinau. This is like his last year, or next year is his last year. It's going to be weird without him, I think. Um, so our next one is a very important question uh, from MG Bode, WFNY, uh, waiting for next year writer. He wants to know, did Matt decide to turn his man card, or is he still mowing his own yard? All right. This is the thing today I asked. Uh, I want to know if it was weird if you're a fully functioning adult to pay someone to mow your lawn. Because my lawn is annoying, and it's hilly, and there's trees everywhere, and I hate mowing my lawn. So I'm hoping someone out there agrees with me. Everyone on Twitter very much did not agree that if I have working legs, I should be mowing my lawn. That was the consensus. I just want to pay some kid like 20 bucks to do it, and then they have to do it. And there's bugs, and I don't like it. <laughs> Jason, please agree with me that it's okay to pay someone to mow your lawn. I'll say this. I don't mind mowing the lawn, but I hate raking leaves. And if the only cost of me never having to rake leaves again would be the removal of my man card, uh, <laughs> which I probably don't even have one of, but if I do, I would gladly hand it over to never have to rake a damn leaf again. So I say find a kid. 20 bucks. I think you're, you're overpaying. You can find some neighborhood kid to mow your lawn for like 10 bucks, I bet. Yeah, uh, the, the problem is mine is so hilly. I don't know if I trust a kid to not kill himself. Because, like, it is, you got to, like, get a pushing start and go up the hill and pull it back down. It's really weird. And have, have, him, have his parents sign a waiver. <laughs> For 10 bucks, your kid might die. Let him come mow my lawn. <laughs> and on the man card thing, I'm pretty sure I turned mine in when I've given up and worn jeans with flip-flops. I heard that's not good in the fashion, but that's what I do because I like flip-flops and I like jeans. So I'm pretty sure my man card's been gone for a long time. And like you, I would easily lose it to never have to rake leaves or mow my lawn again. Because we live under so many trees that raking leaves is ridiculous. And all we have to do is get them to the side of the road. Because we have, I don't know if it's just a local thing or if it happens everywhere, but there's like a big modified garbage truck with a vacuum on the back. It comes by, they just drive by and suck up all the leaves. It's really cool. So I don't have to like bag them or anything. I couldn't imagine having to do that. We're living in the future. I'm <laughs> sure are. our grandparents <laughs> When you get old, I want you to have vacuum cleaners that sweep up the leaves. But yes, I, I did mow my lawn for for anybody that was on the edge of their seat. I hated every minute of it, but it's mowed and it looks horrible because I don't care. My um, last question. Um, we didn't quite address this. We kind of touched on it, I guess. At Jack Powers 22. He wants to know when will Edwin be moved back to the fourth, which he means obviously the cleanup hitter. I think Santana's been there most of the time. Um, I didn't look... Uh, if Edwin has hit there at all this season, I'm sure he has at some point that he kind of struggled, but yeah, I would think he would when he's starting to heat up like this. I can't imagine leaving Santana there forever. I'd hate to keep dropping Santana back further. Uh, although I don't, I don't think Santana's the fourth hitter right now. Somebody else is, but I think Edwin is going to be there back eventually. That's where Edwin should be when he's hitting balls that are leaving the stadium, even though when they're technically a foul ball, um, do you think it's going to be soon, Jason? Or are they just going to leave where he is? Cause it's working. I mean, he's hit cleanup more than he's hit anywhere else. So he's I know not there that. Right now. Yeah, but I mean, I, I don't know. I guess he'll be back there soon. My, my two other thoughts on this are one, lineup construction is probably not worth the energy yes. you're spending on it if you're thinking too much about it. Uh, and then two, and perhaps more importantly, I feel like if your name is Jack Powers, <laughs> you should be answering questions, not asking them. <laughs> is that. um? Jack Power is that from anything? Or is that like maybe the guy? Max Power was the name Homer Simpson adopted for himself at one point. So oh. <laughs> if anything, Jack is even is even more of a 
Power name. So well, Jack Powers was an Irish-born gambler name outlaw. Name of Jack Powers. Everyone's just gonna naturally believe whatever you're telling them. So <laughs> well, he was a gang robber and murderer in Southern and Central California during the Gold Rush era. I knew See? that off the top of my head. I didn't just Google that. I knew it. Guy who went out and got things done. <laughs> and yes, your first point about line of construction. I want to give us around a standing ovation to that. That was my first thought when like Kipnis was moved. I don't really care if Santana is a better natural leadoff hitter because he gets on base. If a player tells you like, I feel more comfortable doing this and it works and they're comfortable doing it, just just let them do it. Like the ideal lineup, I think the difference is like what four wins over a year maybe if you have the perfect lineup every single time. It's just such a minor thing at that point. Just let it be the mental aspect. Like if somebody thinks they hit better in the fourth slot or the third, whatever, let them do it. It matters one time and then they're not the leadoff better anymore. They're just another guy in the lineup. So yeah, I don't care at all about line of construction. But if Edwin thinks he hits better in the fourth or if for some reason Tito thinks that works better, sure, put him there. But if he's hitting home runs in the sixth, who cares? Because the Indians have so many good hitters anyway. Jose Ramirez will get on base ahead of him, hitting like fifth or wherever he hits. So yeah, that's all our questions this week. Uh, Jason, what are you going to be up to? Just parenting. That's it. <laughs> all I got to worry about for 10 weeks now. Oh, and mowing the lawn because I don't pay some neighborhood kid and buck for doing it. Wow. <laughs> Mere minutes after you said it's okay, you come back with that. <laughs> I was raking leaves. <laughs> oh, the lawn. Be a man. <laughs> oh, okay. So raking leaves was your problem. That's even easier than mowing your lawn, though. Well, I guess not, maybe. Raking leaves is pointless. <laughs> I would rather shovel snow than do either of those. Well, yeah. I, mean, I don't mind shoveling snow. whole other thing. Shoveling snow. Yeah, that's... Sure. Because you can just shove it out of the way and it'll melt. Like... Most of the time, I don't really shovel. I just kind of stick the shovel in and walk forward and move it because I have a really long driveway, so it works. But yeah, that's basically what I'm up to, too, because I hate mowing the lawn. It's really freaking hot over here. I don't know about you, but I just turned off the air conditioning, the fan, everything, so I'm melting, and I have big headphones on, and there's a pop filter that reflects my breath back at me. I'm a little bit dead. On that sweltering note, I'm going to let you go cool off. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Jason, for joining me. Uh, thank you everyone for listening right now, or I don't know how the Cavs did while we were talking, but I guess we'll see if everyone's happen, happy when they're listening to this tomorrow or upset. I don't know. Um, either way, we will talk to you all. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. 
There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.